Well, hi there, folks. Welcome to Jubilee Church Teesside. If you're joining us on our Zoom service for the very first time or watching us on YouTube or Facebook, it's a real privilege to be addressing you today. You are so welcome to be part of us. Come again. Over October, we are going to be unpacking with you what and where we feel God is taking us over the next few years. Also in October, we'll be launching into our annual gift days. And so as we approach these coming Sundays, can I encourage you to think big, pray big, consider what your faith-filled contribution to to these weeks will be. These are unusual times, but I felt God really clarify that this isn't a seizing of listing all the things we cannot do, but rather an opportunity that God is unveiling us to, as to what we can do. But before, but before we get into these days, we felt God was hitting the pause button. A few weeks of just sharing what God has been impressing on us. And so today, I want to unpack God's understanding of vision. You see, we can get all carried away with what the business and leadership world says it is. We can get all carried away with trying to enforce strap lines on you so our website looks like looks like all the others. But instead, I wanted to delve for myself into what God says vision what biblical vision is. In Proverbs 29.18, the King James Bible reads, Where there is no vision, the people perish. The vision described here is God's revelation. Bible teacher Philip Greensled renders this Proverbs verse like this. Where there is no prophetic vision, God's revelation, the people become confused, disorganized and even rebellious. That's certainly my experience. Over the years, I have sensed times when people have responded that way, but I wasn't always able to put my finger on it. But God's revelation is clearly vital to church leadership and vital to its community of believers, you and me. The late J.I. Packer writes, The English word reveal comes from the Latin word revelo, which means to uncover or to unveil. Throughout the Bible, God is showing us things which were previously hidden from us. God is bringing into the open things which before were out of sight. God is causing and enabling us to see what hitherto we could not see. God is taking us into his confidence and sharing his secrets with us. That's what revelation means. God's vision, his revelation, his unveiling of things that has, has, been, has always been the starting point of great movements of God in history. When Dr. Martin Luther King stood on the steps of Lincoln Memorial in 1963 and painted a picture of the world without prejudice, hatred or racism, I have a dream that my four little children will one day in a, live in a nation where they, will, where they will not be judged by the colour of the skin or by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain top shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. 
and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. God brought revelation to that one man and changed history. Indeed, even today this vision is changing history now. George Floyd, as we know, did not die in vain. Unfortunately, though, not all revelation is helpful. When it doesn't come from God, we must critique it carefully and not get taken up with the crowds. One such prophet was John Lennon, who in 1971, closing his eyes to the atheist regimes of his day, also had a dream. It was of a brotherhood of man with no heaven, no hell, no countries, no possessions, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. This dream is still persistent now, despite this anti-religious pill being swallowed by only a tiny fraction of the world. Imagine has become the anthem for unity across ideological differences. In fact, in the opening ceremony of the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea, this song was sung reverentially to the world. And as its notes rang out in Pyeongchang, the sister of the supreme leader of North Korea, a state that has tried no religion and still found much to kill and die for, graced this crowd. The secular theory and John Lennon's dream has failed, even if we still like the tune. While John Lennon dreamed of relig- a religion-free world where, these, where there was nothing to kill or die for, Martin Luther King Jr. preached an antithetical message that there are some things so dear, some things so precious, some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I I submit to you, he said, that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. So how does it work? Why is biblical revelation, God's vision, so important to the church, you and me? Briefly, four ways. One, prophetic vision gives God's people a true sense of their destiny in God. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, says in Acts 7-2, Brothers, listen to me, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. That destiny started with God, the God of glory. Jonathan Edwards, the great American revivalist preacher and theological theologian, talks of his own God of glory there. Once as I rode out into the woods for my health in 1737 to walk for divine contemplation and prayer, I had a view that for me was so extraordinary of the glory of the Son of God as mediated between God and man and his wonderful, great, pure and sweet grace and love and meek and gentle condescension. This continued as near as I can judge, about an hour, which kept me the greater part of time in floods of tears. Dwight Lyman Moody, the American evangelist, wrote of another God of glory day. He says, I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Through biblical vision, 
God lifts us above our preoccupation with ourselves. And we get to rejoice in being part of his larger plans. We sense our destiny in God, the God of glory. Secondly, biblical vision brings a togetherness of purpose. I love how in Jubilee we are so one but different. How Jesus has built a church with so many nations, with old and young, with different backgrounds, with different stories. We are the church. There's nothing like it. I sometimes listen to Radio 4 on my way to work because occasionally I'm posh like that. And it always gets me when quite random people go on about how they think the church should behave, how Christian morality should look like, what the church should do, how it should think. But more often than not, these guys don't know what the church is. They don't understand the church is a miracle of God. Before we were in the dark, before we were in bondage, but God broke in, God intervened, he opened our eyes, he brought us into a body, a fellowship, and his goal now is to bring about a glorious unified church together on a mission. That's what the church is. That's what Jesus is doing through you and me. And when People come face to face with the real church, not just through projects or evangelistic events, but through everything, with everybody, through godly marriages, godly parenting, through godly decision-making and behaviour at work, through godly love and compassion and kindness at, at school, at colleges, at uni, at the school gate, when people come face to face with these different expressions of the church, the scattered church, they come face to face with the same Jesus. You know my favourite quote on community, don't you? Gordon Fee, tell him, God isn't simply saving diverse individuals and preparing them for heaven. No way. Rather, he is miraculously creating a people for his name among whom God can dwell. And in her life together will produce God's life and character in all its unity and diversity. Boom! And let me tell you, you know this already, it's not easy, is it? Because everybody's normal until you get to know them. But Paul says in Ephesians 4.3, make every, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, Jesus' body, the church, and one spirit, the spirit of Christ, one hope in Jesus, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, a seal, a sign of who we are in Christ Jesus. Through these loving and sacrificial interactions and interweavings, God is shaping, maturing, purifying, sharpening, refining the church, you and me. He will make the feeblest and filthiest of us us, into a dazzling radiant immortal pulsating creature through through and through with such energy joy and wisdom and love as we cannot imagine a bright stainless mirror which reflects back to God perfectly though on a smaller scale of course his own boundless power and delight and goodness the process will be long and in parts very painful but that is what we're in for nothing less Vision brings destiny in God. Vision brings a togetherness of purpose. Three, 
Biblical vision also breeds endurance. We are in this for the long haul, aren't we? And that's not just for our lifetimes either. It's generational. We are carrying a promise, a certainty, a hope that has been playing out in the world right from the beginning. Genesis 17.1 I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk with me and be trustworthy. I will give you many, many, many descendants. You will be the ancestor of many, many nations. I will produce nations from you and kings will come from you in every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants, God, after you. And so Hebrews 11 puts this into context. And so from this one man Abraham came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. We are those grains of sand jubilee. As Julian Adams once said to us, uh, in fathering and mothering, my ceiling becomes the next generation's platform. Through highs and lows, we endure. Vision gives us a spirit-empowered willingness to live in transition. In the world, but not of the world. Walking by faith and not by sight. Living out eternity, eternity here and now. As I said on our first Sunday Zoom, uh, as I quoted from the passage in Acts 3.6, when Paul encounters a lame man begging for money, He said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he said to the lame man, walk. Jubilee, in these times God is weaning us and the world off the silver and gold that we've come to idolise. The things we've become over familiar with, the things that distract us from God, the things that we have come to rely on instead of God, the things that bring us joy above God. He's calling us to unlearn some of the things that have become unhelpful habits or traditions. He is prizing us away from the merry-go-round of incessant activity, instead turning us in God's direction. In short, by taking away our silver and gold, he is opening our eyes to the better riches we do have in Christ. The church church is the hope of the world. But at this turning point in history, he's asking us a question. Why has the salt we're meant to be lost some of its saltiness? We can't go back to the same, can we? Fourthly, finally, prophetic vision provides continuity for the people of God, you and me. Over the years, I've seen elders and leaders come and go. Some to plant churches, some to follow bigger adventures in God, some who I just haven't managed to keep on board, some who I will always have that niggle of letting them down. I've seen cherished friends become people of the past. As one church pastor wrote, not all fellow travellers will be fellow heirs. There really is a price to pay, but in all those seeming setbacks and knocks and jolts, God keeps building his church, and we keep partnering with him in extending his kingdom. Yes, it's costly. Yes, it can be upsetting. But in the end, people are not primarily following me or someone or Sarush or Gavin. They are following Jesus' vision of a glorious church, a glorious journey, a glorious future. As Hebrews 1 declares, 
In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son Jesus, the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Let's land with what Rebecca McLaughlin says, summarizing uh, the vision that Jesus encompasses. In Jesus' world, we find connection between the truths of science and morality. We find a basis for saying that all human beings are created equal and a deep call to love across diversity. In Jesus, we find a name for evil and a means of forgiveness. We find a vision of love that is so much deeper than our current hearts can hold and a true intimacy better than our weak bodies could ever experience. We find a diagnosis of human nature as shot through with sin and yet redeemable by grace. We find a call to care for the poor, oppressed and lonely. A call springing from the heart of God himself and grounded in the hope that one day every tear will be wiped away. Every stomach will be filled and every outcast will be embraced. But we do not find glib answers or an easy road either. Instead, we find a call to come and die. So, going right back to the very beginning, Martin Luther King was clearly correct. He was clearly right. But John Lennon, sadly, and all of his followers were very wrong. Vision, friends, is crucial to our eternities. So let's put our hope and faith in the architect our God.